Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Passive Income Examiner. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland, and I just want to dive right in today and introduce you to my guest and and awesome friend, by the way. She has become a good friend of mine. Her name is Julie Holly. Uh, Julie and I met when she was my son's first grade teacher, and I knew instantly that she was somebody I wanted to get to know. And when I found out that she's also a syndicator and helps people invest in apartment complexes, I couldn't wait to know more. So I'm just so excited we finally have the chance to connect on the podcast. And here she is for you and your educational expansion. Let's do this. Hi, Julie. Welcome to the Passive Income Examiner Show. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm so glad to be here. I've enjoyed the episodes that you have posted already or uh, you know downloaded. They've been so fun to listen to. Great guests, great interviews. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, I wanted to start off by, I guess, share with everybody a little bit about you and your mission and kind of what you're doing um, and just share with us who you are. Awesome. I kind of feel like I'm like at a group meeting right now where I need to stand up and say, hi, (laughs) my name is Julie Holly. (laughs) So, um, right. So I have a diverse background and I followed both my parents, um, both of my parents' career paths between education and real estate. And so I have this really cool background. I love it. I've leveraged it um, by staying present in the educational realm by going in and out of teaching in the public school sector. And I've stayed present in the real estate world by continually investing or serving as a residential realtor or counseling buyers on how to do things. I'm always doing something with both of my career paths. Um, And that comes down to one thing, Lindsay, and that mission is to serve others. So when you serve others and take care of others, like if you boil every part of my mission down, it's if everybody can have the best, it's by everyone serving each other. I agree with that. And I think a lot more people are going into that mindset too, it seems as though. Yeah, I think we're going to have to have more of that mindset moving forward. (laughs) After this whole 2020 COVID debacle, like, I think people are having that reality realization of like, we have to have each other and we have to have each other's backs. It's so true. It's like the more we separate ourselves, the more we need each other. It's pretty actually kind of cool in a way. Um, okay, so tell me a little bit about your company and, and and specifically passive income strategies and what you have to offer, what you've been been busy doing. Awesome. Okay, well, Three Keys Investments is the name of my company. The, our tagline is Find Your Freedom, which is another one of my missions. By serving others, you can help people find their freedom. And And a lot of people are really encumbered financially. And because they're encumbered financially, they invite a lot of unnecessary stress into their life. And that stress that they invite into their life then spills over into their relationships with their family, their performance at work. That single stress affects every part of their life. And so when I say find your freedom, a lot of people think, Uh, freedom can mean a lot to a lot of people. So in this case, I look at, if you can find your financial freedom, then you will probably find freedom across a lot of different niches in your life. And that's like this huge mission and creating passive income through real estate investing. It's not a get rich quick scheme. It's not, and it's not snake oil. Oh my goodness. If I could just have a a dime for every time someone kind of says, yeah, I don't know about that. That sounds like snake oil, you know, or swampland. It's like, "Ah, you know, it's really not. 
So what I do is I help, um, I specifically raise capital, which means I go out and I try to solicit to um, people who don't know anything about apartment investing, multifamily investing. They're one in the same. And so the industry jargon that, you know, if you're in the industry, people call it multifamily. But then most people out there, average people don't speak that. And so you say multifamily investing, they're like, what? <laughs> oh, hey, apartments. Oh, I know what apartments are. <laughs> so, right. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I help people come to an understanding of how they can invest their money into apartments so that they can gain passive income. And passive income means that my money is working without me doing any sweat labor. My money is making money while I am sleeping at night. And my money is probably working in multiple ways. It's not just over here sitting on the stock market or over here sitting in a bank. If my money is in a multifamily investment, and I'll, I'll expand that out to even commercial real estate. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. If my money is in, invested in real estate, I now have multiple ways that my money is working for me. So I have a tax, tax depreciation that I can gain. I have the appreciation of the asset that I'm invested in. That So right, let me break that down because a lot of times we can talk, some of my friends are like, Julie, you're talking high level, <laughs> I could break it down, right? So if I buy a house, and most of you listening have already purchased homes, but you've purchased a home, and let's just say we're gonna keep it super easy and go back to like the 1950s. You bought this house for $50,000, okay? And, yeah, I wish. <laughs> right, right, and now time has passed on, and 20 years later, you're going to sell your home, at, let's just say 10 years later, and the market has appreciated and now your home that was worth $50,000 is now worth $100,000. So that is the appreciation. You get that same exact appreciation with a properly purchased <laughs> apartment complex. You get the advantage of that same appreciation on this, uh, just the multiple scales, right? So we're not just talking about $100,000. We're talking about millions of dollars. So when you talk about it, you know, the appreciation, it's very significant. Um, additionally, so right, we're talking about having our money work for us in multiple ways. So we have our taxes that we've depreciate, we get to claim that depreciation, we get to, and there's so much more to that. But I know, I, it's like a bunny trail. I know. Oh, <laughs> that that alone is a whole nother conversation, because there's a way that you can nearly zero out your taxes through that process. Um, so that's huge, right? Um, and then we're also going to have our pay down, our principal pay down. So just like, again, going back to you homeowners out there, you're making your mortgage payment each month. Part of it's going to your taxes. And then another part is the principal pay down, right? The actual amount that you bought the home for. Well, the same thing is taking place on the apartment complex. So now you're actually gaining even more. So your money is working for you. There are other ways that your money's working for you. I just don't want to go too high level into it. <laughs> and I don't want to ramble on. So I'm going to pause and see, Lindsay, is that too high level? <laughs> I have questions. That's for sure. Okay. So, um, so I'm thinking because also, uh, you know, my background, as you know, is our, my husband was a real estate investor and I apprenticed with him. That's how we met actually. Um, and so I understand more of a residential real estate investment strategy. And so everything you're saying makes complete sense. I do see the tax benefit. That is 
the biggest reason for keeping it. When you're investing in something that seems so giant, like a couple things come to mind. Uh, first of all, it's like, well, do I have control over any part of the asset? Um, or is my money just kind of handed over and then I'm I'm just kind of uh, at the mercy of somebody else's decision-making, right? Um, are there standards? Like, does the does the organization, like, say, we uphold a certain standard in our apartment complexes, et cetera? Is there a yearly renewal or buy-in to the process, or is it a one-time thing? And then also, is there dividends, like, from the rents? Oh, so I those love these. My, my questions. <laughs> these are, these are great questions. And that's why I was like, okay, I just need to pause because this is one of those topics where I'm so passionate about it that sometimes I could just talk on and I'm like, no, you got to stop and make sure people are tracking <laughs> with you, girl. <laughs> so, right. So when you, when you buy into, there are different ways that you can get involved and you and I are talking, you know, off camera about, um, about some of the reasons why people don't get invested. And so that will kind of, let's talk about that and the decision-making process at the same time. Okay. A lot of people, a lot of times people don't realize that they can invest in apartment complexes or commercial real estate in general because there are a lot of securities regulations, right? And so those regulations prevent people like me from going onto social media or putting a Craigslist ad or, you know, you get the idea. I can't go around and advertise, Hey guys, I've got this amazing opportunity. You can get a 16%, you know, you got 8% cash on cash. I can't go around like explaining that out there in the world because I'm offering what's called a 506 B offering. And that means, Hey, I can, I can offer this, but you have to, we have to have this relationship beforehand. It has to be a substantive relationship prior to investing with me when it says 506B. Now, that, five, that type of platform works really well for someone like me on the mission that I'm on. So with a 506B offering, it can't, we can't go around advertising it to the world. That complements my personal mission, and that is to reach people who don't know about this. Now, why don't those people know about it? Well, Typically, you'd have to be what's called an accredited investor, okay? And those would be 506C offerings. And those offerings, I could go and blab about and advertise, and it costs more to range those. But now let's talk about an accredited investor. Are you making, do you have a net worth of at least a million dollars? Are you making at least $200,000 uh, this year, last year? And are you going to do that moving forward? There are these restrictions, right? I'm trying to reach the non-accredited investors. I'm re my goal is to bring people who don't have access to this type of investing, this type of investing that the, uh, as most people will call them, the quote unquote elite, the wealthy, the people who build generational wealth. This is a huge element of a way that they have accomplished that. This is one of their, their buckets of investing, right? And so, I'm trying to bring that to this different demographic. Um, so can you make the decisions? All, the, all of that kind of leading into, now I said, okay, hey, you know what? I'm going to trust you with $50,000. Here's $50,000, it's coming from maybe my 401k account, maybe I don't have that money stashed away in a liquid cash, but I have that in my 401k account. Oh my gosh, this is part of my retirement, Lindsay. Can I do this? Like, oh, are they going to lose my money? Is this really snake oil? Okay, I take that. I look at 
who am I investing with? This is the most important element. <laughs> people are people and you are investing with people. So if they are lacking character in, in their life, then you're probably going to think twice about investing with that person. So a lot of times people even do a background check on those people that they are going to invest with. Sure. Um, you know, just to ensure I'm not going to get taken on this. Now, I will say this. My running joke is that why would I mess up? If I mess up, I have literally fired myself for life. <laughs> right? Yeah. Nobody's going to invest with me if I take their money and run. It's like, even if I did it a one shot wonder, that's not going to be that much money to live the life of my dreams, right? So in order to have a career in this, you really can't screw yourself over. You can't screw people and you've got to make sure that you are taking care of your investors. And so you have a general partnership and that general partnership is usually made up of two to four people. If it's more than five, you just go, I don't even want anything to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> Unless we're talking about, say, 15 to 20 plus million dollars. Mm. Um, do I have the ability to make decisions? I do not as a passive investor. Now, isn't that the point of passive income? Passive income means I don't want to have to make decisions. I don't want to think about it. I want to live my life while my money is working for me. So I have found a general partnership that is going to run the deal and take care of all the headaches. I'm not getting any phone calls and I'm getting quarterly distributions. Some people do monthly. Most people don't. Most people do quarterly distributions. Some will do annual. So there is and it's deal dependent. So every single offering, as they call the deals, offerings, right? Every single one of those is different. So you wanna review every single opportunity. That makes sense. I'm gonna pause right there because you know, you and I know I could just go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, it's like you're trying to get a ton of information out into a small, and this is a subject that not so many people ever A, look at, even know is existing. It can feel very, like you said, like the snake oil, a little bit overwhelming and daunting to the point where I almost want to say, no, thanks, you know, like immediately. And what, what would make you like, if you were to say, you know, but wait, Lindsay, there's more. <laughs> what's, that, <laughs> what's that hook that's like, yeah, but really consider this because I know you, Julie, I know you on a personal level, you were my son's grade school teacher. And I can tell you just in that short bit of time, that you are totally genuine and you have a deep passion for really helping people get farther ahead in life. And I think you're, you're walking the path of, of most resistance, I would say, in this real estate niche, trying to take people like me who are oblivious to this, right? And transitioning us into this unknown world and there's like this veil, right? Where we just, we don't know what we don't know and it feels so foreign. So that's the reason why I know that what you're saying is genuine. And I would love to hear how you, I mean, like, what's the heart of the matter? You know, what is, what is the picture, big picture? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, yeah. And here's, here's what it is. And, and this is the hardest part. And you're absolutely right. Choosing to, to work with people primarily on a 506B basis and people who don't have any experience in this is definitely pushing the, pushing the rock 
rock, heavy boulder up the hill because there is that resistance and it's a mindset shift that has to take place. So I think the questions would be this, do you really want, so I've had single family uh, rentals myself. Do I really want the stress of the phone calls? Do I want the stress of making sure everything is managed? Oh, wait, something went wrong. And now I lost all the income because it was one property. There's so many ways that, that single family can be, I mean, people are extremely successful in it. So I'm not going to diminish it. And I'm not going to say that it's not a productive way to go. But a lot of times we're looking for control and we think that we can be the best boss of our money. Now, we think that when it comes to real estate investing, but we don't think that when it comes to our 401ks and our retirement and we give our money and we hand our money over to a financial planner and we say, oh, I don't know anything here. You take a take over. It's kind of confusing if you really start to think, think about it. We give this the most important chunk of our money over to someone else to take to care for. And yet we'll take this and we'll think that we can run this real estate and become super successful at it when we don't have any experience at it, when we have another career, another occupation, and we're trying to basically, if you end up developing and having multiple rentals, it is another job. So we're inviting a whole nother job. So that's not passive income at all. So if we're talking about passive income, we have to say, is my single family really passive income for me? Even if I have a property manager, where is it at on my mind? Is it weighing my mind down? Is it in my mind? Is it occupying my mental space? Or do I have mental freedom to explore other ideas that I want to push the envelope on? So I think that really, Lindsay, it comes down to how we've been conditioned and wired. We have been conditioned over our entire lives that you put your money into a 401k, you put your money onto Wall Street, and everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't okay for a ton of people in 2008. I can assure you of that. I mean, mm-hmm. you and I, I don't know if you remember, I remember people that were set to retire and, oh, wait, now I'm working another five years because the stock market crashed. Yeah. This is what we call hopium. I'm hoping it works out. I have zero control over the stock market. It's volatile. Somebody sneezes wrong in the boardroom. And now that stock just tanked. Somebody said the wrong thing out there on the stage. And now that stock just skyrocketed. There's no rhyme and reason behind it. Now, I'm speaking on a very, a very basic level. I know people who are extremely successful. So I don't want to knock the stock market. I did go through a phase where I was like anti-stock market. But, you know, <laughs> there are ways. <laughs> it's true. But, I mean, you can leverage every strategy. So I'm not saying get everything off the stock market. But I am saying that amount of trust that you are willing to put, again, what I will call hopium, hoping in something you have no control over on the stock market, when you actually have a tangible, hard, inflation-resistant asset that you could invest in and get consistent returns on that are dependable, that you can say, okay, I understand when I retire, maybe I could have done 2 or 3% better on the stock market. You really can't, if you look at all the stats historically, you're going to come out ahead in the, in the real estate sector. But let's just say, okay, maybe I could, just in theory, do a little bit better over on the stock market. Why would I want to do that when I don't know where it's going to be when I retire? And when I go to retire, I want to know, I mean, I have friends that are counting down. They have things on their phones, counting down to retirement. 
200 whatever days away. You know, mm-hmm. It's like, you want to know what you're actually going to have. You don't want to have what I call bronze years, right? right? All of a sudden, all your money's gone. You want, you want your golden years to be golden. Well, you better plan for it. And so being open to learning other ways that you were not conditioned for is yes. really important. So have you heard of the FIRE community? No. Oh my word. Okay. This is, you know, prior to us getting on here, I was telling you how I started opening up to different podcasts and listening to different things. And it was all relative to passive income strategies. And, and it led me to this thing called the fire community. And it stands for, um, financial independence, retire early and retire early. And it's this like, it's um, a, a shift basically in mindset. I, I think it kind of stemmed from the millennials. There's a, the, this book that was written in the nineties, but I think the millennials really epitomized this whole concept by, Hey, you know, we want to kind of live a life with freedom where we don't have to work by certain guidelines and we can retire by the age of 30 and 35. And there's these people that are doing this and I'm over here, I'm 38 going, Heck, I'd be happy if I retired by 45, you know, like that would be great. But how they're doing it is that they're developing strategies of financial investing that produce an income, regular monthly income. So whether it's through real estate, some of it is, um, some of it's through, I'm still learning a lot. Like my mind has just literally been like blown um, through passive income strategies that are like through, uh, you think it's EFTs and stock market and dividends and just all these, these things. And like, and this, the reason I mentioned this is because it's like you said, it's this mindset shift where I went from basically thinking like a worker bee to thinking like a money master. And this, this one guy even said it, he goes, I look at my money, like employees, like each one that I send out into the world, Yes, I'm expecting it to work for me and bring me something back. And I was like, wow, I never thought about it that way before ever. Like that totally changed me even from a consumerism mindset to where I'll be really candid. I have the hardest time saving money. I, I want to save money and I can save money, but I seem to only be able to save money when I have a mission for my money. Okay. So like, if yeah, I know so I need, many people are like that. Yeah. And, and I mean, I could do, we, we have our six months cushion, et cetera, but it's like, once I get to that point, I'm just like, okay, fine. I guess I'm done. <laughs> but I would <laughs> like to know that if, oh man, if I could take this money and the mission of this money, I'm dog earing it instead of for savings is maybe for an investment that I know is going to grow and bring back to me. It's like my little, my little marching men out there in the world. And so in your case with this, um, apartment investing or multifamily investing, I'm loving the idea that it is, it's hands off. And what else I like about it is the fact that I don't think people realize that if they have no experience in real estate, you know, if you have single family residential homes and let's say the rental market tanks, let's say interest rates drop significantly and everybody starts going to buy homes and so rents drop or people just move, maybe there's a shift. Once you have a vacant door, <clears throat> you have a vacant door. You're you're not no making no income. <laughs> exactly. And so, whereas if you have multifamily, even if it's a fourplex or a sixplex, something small, all the way up to an apartment investment, you know, you might have 10 or 15 doors empty 
but you have 30 that are still producing an income. And so you're, you're, you're definitely in a better position. And I think that's what makes it a little bit more recession proof, like you were saying. Um, but in this case, do you get money working back for you? <clears throat> I guess I have two questions. I know you mentioned that some of the deals have dividends, so you did answer that, but how else is my money working for me specifically? And then also, what if I'd say I wanted to retire? Is this something that could continually um, give me cash flow if I wanted to retire early so that I don't have to work in a regular job as much? Or is it something that I have to sell out of to cash in to have retirement? This is definitely something that I see multiple people. I have all my, you know, little, all the heroes that I look to where they've retired because early, they've retired in their forties or younger, um, just because they've put their money into this and they have snowballed it. And this is a great opportunity to really snowball your income. So yeah, you're getting those, some of those, you know, like I said, you're getting the tax breaks, right? And you're getting the appreciation and the, you know, we've talked about that. But now you're also getting the quarterly, let's say, let's say you're, the deal that you're involved in has quarterly distributions. So you're receiving that. And depending on the deal structure, um, and that's why it's like every single deal is, is very specific. And, and I'm going to just caveat here for a second and say that's another difference between going into the apartment slash commercial space is that you have to have a business plan in place. And that's what's lovely about it is that there's a start to finish. This is where we're starting and investors, you get to see this is, this is where we're starting and these are our goals. And this is where we're going to take this business, which happens to be a, you know, 30, 400 unit, whatever it is, apartment complex. This is a plan that we have in place and here's our exit strategy. Here's when we're going to do it. Maybe it's three years, five years, seven right now, FYI, there are, I've seen a few friends of mine, they're, they were looking around for, hey, does anybody have a model for an infinite hold? And a lot of people will just buy out their investors so that they can continue to hold, the, um, hold that asset as part of their you know, retirement portfolio. So after, let's just say you're making um, you know, 16% you know, average you know, rate of return, right? And a lot of people, they just don't even speak these, but let, let's put it into ways that people can relate to credit cards. Most people are encumbered by some level of credit card debt and you're paying, let's just say you're paying 16%, you know, on that, you know, over the life of this each year, you're going to be getting 16% and that's averaged out. Let's say we're holding this property for five years and we'll just use that as an example. So you walk in and the first year is usually not a year where you're going to get a significant portion of distributions because the rents are being raised. Maybe there's some heavy or light renovations. So similar to what takes place with like clicks and flips houses, think of it like that. That mm -hmm. first year, the business plan, the meaty part of it is being put into place and um, all that money is raised up front. So it's not like, oh, hey, we need more money. It's the plan is in place. The plan is executed that first year. And then in year two on, the gains are more significant. At the end of that, now you're going to see the, the returns on your investment. It's, it's not surprising when you see, I have a friend that, um, that during COVID sold one of his assets and his, his clients or his investors had a 45% return on their investment. And wow. that was in three years. Wow. So 
Yeah, that's huge. It's huge. Now, what can you do? Oh, no. Lindsay, I just made, you know, I just got my, my, my initial money back that I put in. So sometimes people will refi along the process and say, if they're holding it for seven years, they'll refinance the property and say, okay, Lindsay, you put in $50,000. We've refinanced the property because we've done the heavy lifting. It's now worth more. And we've taken out our loan at this point. And here's the money, but here's your $50,000 back. But guess what? You're still in the deal. So you just got your 50,000 back. You can go and invest that into another opportunity, but your money is, but now you have kind of like ghost money, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not actually physically in there working for you on this. And then when it sells, you're going to get that money all back to you. That's phenomenal. What a cool, what a cool strategy. I, it's, it's a, it's pretty complex. And that's why I think a lot of people stay away from it because like, well, I don't, I don't understand it, you know, but you know, and you don't have to be a real estate professional in order to put your money to work in this way. You need to be working with the right people though, who have integrity. And there are a ton of people out there who are phenomenal. Yes. And that's one thing I love about your podcast is you constantly say how the multifamily niche is different. And I'm just curious why there's such a difference in in that when it's kind of all the same thing. Is it just because people rely more on each other for these larger deals or what would you think? What do you think? You've been in both, right? I have been in both. And that's, you know, Lindsay, I think that you're absolutely right. Uh, My experience, and that's why I personally left the single family um, space as a residential agent because I saw so many uh, incredulous things taking place that were unethical. (laughs) I didn't want anything to do with it. Now, I didn't have anything to do with that. And it was just prominent. And there's a lot of short-term thinking taking place. A lot of, a lot of agents, it's a more saturated uh, market. And so you have a lot of agents, just, you know, part-timers or just people trying to turn a quick dollar basically. And they're not looking at it as a career. They don't look at themselves as a business. Like it's a very much a mindset shift of who I am and what I'm about. Now, when you go into the multifamily space, you have a lot of people that have that long-term perspective. They have a mindset that is um, one of abundance. The abundance mindset is huge in this niche, but you have to have a business plan. So, you know, let's just go back to, although I don't have to have a specific licensure to be involved in multifamily investing. And I did when I was a residential agent, uh, which is really kind kind of ironic, right? Because these people that are agents, they don't have to have a business plan in place in order to buy or sell your house. But I buying and selling um, apartment complexes, I have to, in order to get my loan and funding from a bank, my team has to have a business plan in place for the, for the bank to say, okay, we see exactly what you're doing. We see all your money and where it's going. It's so you're not just looking at this as a short term, um, way to turn a quick dollar. If this is a, here's a business and we're starting it and you have to treat it like a business. And I think that invites an entirely different mindset to the space. Mm, That makes sense. Okay. So how much money does it take to get investment? I know every deal is going to be unique, but if you had a a range, like, is this something, you know, maybe a, a teacher could invest in or somebody who's just had right, you know, just regular jobs. 
Right, right. Yeah. Well, a lot of regular people do invest in commercial real estate. Uh, a lot of people, yes, anybody can be involved in it. And here are a few different ways to go about that. If you don't have the liquid money right now in your, your bank account, which if it's in a savings account in the bank, <laughs> the whole different conversation needs to take place, right? <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so you're going to take, because that money is just sitting there doing no, no work, no heavy lifting. It's like on vacation or something. Yes. <laughs> so you want to take that money. Typically, you're putting in $50,000. That's typically a minimum that you're putting in. $100,000 is what everybody prefers. However, there are opportunities for people to put $25,000 in. It depends on the deal and here's, here's the why behind that. With 506B offerings, the um, securities regulations say you can only have 35, that's the magic number, 35 non-accredited investors involved in any deal. So I could make up my entire, let's just say I'm raising a million dollars, I could have $50,000 chunks from a series of non-accredited investors that would work. Okay. But mm -hmm. I can only have a maximum of 35. So that's part of the reason that you see. So typically it's 50 or a hundred thousand um, dollars. But that's why sometimes let's just say that you have, you know, your college kid, but you've been saving or you're new in your career and you're like, man, I have this 10, $20,000 and I want to, I want to get involved. I want to play the game. You know, it's not a game, but you know, so per se, um, if they, if you talk to an operator or, you know, general partnership, then you could oftentimes get squeezed in there. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's good to know. Okay. So, um, how do people find you? Uh, the best place to find me, two social media platforms, and that would be LinkedIn, just look for Julie Holly, or go to Facebook and look for Julie Holly, <laughs> and I, I will pop up. I respond to messages, and I used to send people to my website. You can go to my website. I have a book that you can download on more information, like why I invest in multifamily, and it has a lot of I wrote this through COVID. It has tons of information in there, lots of stats, lots of charts. So, um, and all the benefits really laid out and it's also short. So it's not like this huge heavy read or anything. So you yeah, can go no, to three, yeah, three keys, investments, all.com all spelled out with words and you can download it there. Okay. Well, um, we'll make sure to link that in the show notes too, because I think a lot of people, um, you know, I'm hoping this reaches people and at least gets piques their interest enough to look into it and say, Hey, okay, so what is this? What can I do? Because, <clears throat> you know, I think Julie, I don't know, and this is going in a whole new direction, kind of off topic sure. of investing, but I have a belief that our environment, our American environment of financials, I wouldn't even say stability. I would just call it what we believe has been stable. <laughs> this is, is going right. to drastically change in the next um, few years uh, between, I think, the dollar, the value of the dollar shifting all the way to 401ks are just, I mean, in fact, I didn't know this till recently, but they're more of an employer benefit rather than for the employee. Yes. And then also yes, they were never designed for retirement. Not ever. That wasn't yes. the purpose when it was introduced. Right. And then more and more people, I think the whole mindset shifting from, oh, we're all recognizing that our jobs are 
fickle, right? Where before we were certain we could work at a job and retire. Nowadays, it's like, I don't know, COVID happened, is my job stable? And I just, there's this whole mass shift happening out there in the world. And I just want people to know what options are out there. I want to know what options are out there. That's why I started this podcast. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> and I think, Lindsay, I think you're, you're spot on. I think you and I track a lot on, on what's happening with currency and we kind of, you know, do our little bit of, you do a lot more, I think, Kiyosaki and, you know, you just follow, you just follow what's happening and you can't, you can't keep printing money. You just can't. Yeah, and exactly. So, I mean, something's got to budge. You can't keep printing money and spending money and going putting a country in debt. There is a a day of reckoning that does come with that. And I'll I'll say that's why it's important that your listeners are looking into inflation resistant investments. Okay. Protect your money so that when inflation hits, you are tied to something that is inflation resistant. So it's a really important um, element to look at. I can't, I mean, I'm not going to go on speaking on that, but real estate is one of those. And someone I was speaking with yesterday was saying that that's why some people are willing to overpay. And he was talking about family offices, right? And those are families with massive wealth, $700 million plus whatever, right? These family offices right now, some of them are willing to overpay to lock up real estate offerings because they know that will protect their money from getting, you know, tanked. How is it that um, a multifamily niche is less uh, impacted by the volatile real estate market when it does decide to correct itself? Actually, that's a, we didn't even touch on that, but that's a great point. I mean, during the last recession, it outperformed every investment class. It remained stable. Everyone needs a place to live. Everyone needs a roof over their heads and you have a hard, tangible, physical asset backing it up. That's not changing. So uh, like some people will put their money and they'll, they'll buy gold and silver, right? Precious metals. And they'll have that as I know many people keep 10% of their, their personal wealth, right? Their net worth in something of that nature as part of their hedge against inflation. Um, another hedge, though, is having a physical, tangible asset that is real. It's not going anywhere. So the fact that everybody needs a place to live is a really, I mean, that, that keeps people flowing into that multifamily space. And I, I'm going to say it needs to be a business plan that makes sense. So you're kind of like a broker, basically. You kind of help facilitate, you know, between the, the people investing and then also you're like the, the mediator, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you could look at it that way. I encourage them to reach out to you. And even if they don't want to, they're not ready to take that step. You have a podcast they can listen to. Tell us about that. Ask me how I know. If you just type into your favorite directory um, for podcasts, type in, ask me how I know multifamily. And you'll see a little uh, Brady Bunch style uh, cover art. And that podcast is dedicated towards uh really unpacking the mindset behind investors and understanding what they do and why they do it. Um, it's actually very similar to the conversation that we're having right now. <laughs> and, and on Mondays, so I have two episodes a week. Mondays, join me for Monday Mindset, and that sets your intention for the week and gives you something to kind of chew on and um, a way to personally grow. And Thursdays or Fridays, I usually release a interview with an amazing, extraordinary guest. 
I cannot emphasize this enough to, to listeners out there. You are important and nobody is more important than anyone else. And so don't put somebody on a pedestal. Don't say, oh, I don't want to call Julie. I don't want to reach out to her because I don't know. She's on this podcast and she has one. Like, no, I'm just a normal person. I always joke around and I don't mean to be crude, but everybody, every, you remember the book? You probably read it when you're to your kids. Everybody poops. I yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we are all human beings and we are all equal and nobody's more important. So don't ever let that mindset, that stinking thinking. So reach out to people. <laughs> I love it. What a great way to end this podcast. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please make sure to share it with somebody you know who should listen to this. <laughs> I'll tell you who I'm sharing it with. I'm sharing it with family members who have their money tied up in a 401k and are concerned that the stock market's going to dip. Those are the kind of people right now that might be wanting to consider transferring their money into another source, such as real estate or multifamily investing. So definitely be thinking of them and share this episode. Make sure to look up Julie on Julie Holly's uh, social media, LinkedIn and Facebook and follow us at the Passive Income Examiner on Instagram.